Good morning. How are you? It's good to see you guys. Uh, it's nice to be back with you. We've uh, used to Mandy, my daughter. By the way, I'm Joe Harvey. I'm Mandy Harvey's father. And so that's, you know, I, since she was uh, uh, on America's Got Talent a few years ago now, actually summer of 2017, I've been traveling with her a lot. And as, as we travel around, the, everybody just knows me as Mandy's dad. You know, I don't actually have a first name for most people. But you guys know me because we're from here. And it's been a couple of years, you know, that we've, we've been busy and gone a lot. And so it's really nice to be back and see you again. Um, I was really excited about the opportunity to come and speak and share with you, especially on the topic of faith and fear. Holy cow, um, what challenging times we're living in right now. And I know this has been a time for a lot of people where they're at the difficulties of the coronavirus and everything that's going on has created a lot of anxiety and fear and things like that. So it's great to have the opportunity to explore the idea of how faith and fear, how they relate to one another. And I, I want to make a quick confession and you know this is going to come as a surprise to some of you because you're looking at me right now and you're thinking the, the guy's big he's strong he's powerful he's amazingly fit and um you know he probably fears nothing i know that you're probably thinking that right now um for those of you who weren't thinking that i totally understand but uh <laughs> I, I have a confession to make as um sometimes i get afraid uh, and, and I don't know what it is that, that you get afraid of, but sometimes I get afraid. Uh, a couple years back, Mandy and I were invited to travel to Canada to do a Amazon Prime series. So if you want to watch it, you can go on Amazon Prime. It's called Vacations of the Brave, and we're episode four. But we were invited to Canada to, to do this uh, video series, and one of the things that they asked us to do is uh, skydive. So, I mean, they, they, call, they call us up and said, uh, we want to give you a vacation in Canada. We want you to experience various things. Would you be willing to jump out of an airplane? Well, I have this basic life-affirming principle that says, never jump out of a fully functional airplane. Just, just don't do that. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and, and Mandy agreed. She, she said she would. And she asked me, and I said, no, I, you know, sorry, I, I, you know, I, I think I had all these kinds of, of reasons, but the truth of the matter was, I, I was scared, you know, I, I, the whole idea of, you know, being 12,000 feet in the air and somebody opening the door and saying, jump, just doesn't appeal to me at all, but Mandy, um, she, uh, she did. She jumped out of the airplane, and you may be wondering why she's wearing a bear costume. Uh, part of the, you have to watch the video to find out, but since I wasn't going to jump out of the plane, they got the producer to jump out of the plane with her, and he's wearing a fox outfit. And uh, like I say, you have to watch, watch the video if you're interested in why. But, but she did it. You know, she got on the plane, and, and she jumped. And, you know, I'm proud of her for facing one of her fears and being willing to push herself beyond what she was comfortable doing. And now, time passed looking back on it. If I could go back, given the opportunity again, if I could go back to that same situation 
instead of standing on the ground with my iPhone, uh, taking pictures of her plummeting to the, I mean, gently, um, you know, drifting back to the earth, I would be on that plane with her, taking pictures of her jumping out of the plane from inside the plane. Um, what do you think I was going to say? <laughs> I'm not going to jump out of an airplane. That's craziness. Well, the truth of the matter is that there are all sorts of, all sorts of things in the world that um, are frightening to us. And the whole idea of what does it mean to be a person who has faith but living in a world that so often has fear involved is one that I was excited to explore. So I'm going to share a, an event from the life of Jesus with you. I'm going to reconstruct it. Now, this is going to be a bit different than what, what we've done in the past or what you may have done in the past because there is this moment in time when Jesus calms the storm and it's actually recorded in three of the four Gospels. So it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And as you read through the different uh, Gospels, you get the picture of the same event, but there's some details that each of them add that kind of add an interesting fuller full picture. So what I'm going to share with you, the scripture that's going to come up is not from one uh, Gospel. It's actually a combination of all three together. I've just taken them and merged them together to create one continuous narrative uh, of what's happening. And in this passage, what I want to do is kind of touch upon the key components of our human experience, because we do get afraid. And, and so this passage also addresses the question of why, why is life frightening to us? Uh, why are we afraid? So if you uh, turn to those passages, or just look on the screen now, because you can't really turn to all three of them at the same time. It begins this way by saying, One day, when evening came, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat, and they set out. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture. I don't know if you've ever just gone for a boat ride. I mean, we live in Florida, right? And, and sometimes it, in the evening or early in the morning, just get out in the boat and relax. And, and this is what's happening. This has been a long and tiring day. And Jesus and the disciples get into a boat, and they're separating themselves from the crowd. This, this is an escape. And, and they're going to take this little boat trip. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles north to south and eight miles east to west, you know, and, and at its deepest part, it's about 150 feet. And this is the opportunity for them to just get away and get some rest. Now, the next part says they took Jesus along just as he was. So the writers of the gospel are trying to tell us that there's something about Jesus that is particularly significant, and, and then they tell us what it is. As they sailed, he fell asleep in the stern on a cushion. So Jesus is worn out. It's been a long day. The expectations of people always wear you out. And all the difficulties and challenges of his life, and, and he gets away from the crowd. It's an evening. Maybe it's starting to get a bit dark. And Jesus is in the back of the boat. He's in the stern. And there's a cushion there that was common during New Testament times, a place to relax and take it easy. And it says that he falls asleep on this cushion, and then the escape to comfort 
becomes a moment of crisis. A furious squall, another writer of the gospel says, a storm without warning, came down on the lake and waves broke over the boat. And the boat, this is Luke talking, says, the boat was being swamped, which is a good technical nautical term in New Testament Greek for it's going down. It's going to sink. And you can see the fear in it because it says they were in great danger. But then we have this bizarre statement, but Jesus was sleeping. Now think about how strange that is. By the way, have you ever been in a boat during a storm? I mean, I've been in a boat during thunderstorms and things like that. And one of the things I can tell you is nobody sleeps during a storm. In an open boat where the wind and the waves are beating against it and the water is lapping over the sides and everybody, the sails are down and now they're trying to control the boat, try to keep the bow going into the waves so it doesn't take away from the side and capsize. Everybody is struggling to survive. It says that they are in great danger and Jesus is asleep. How do you explain that? I'm going to try to in just a minute, but it amazes me. Jesus sleeps, and think of all the troubles and difficulties and challenges of our life that pull us into those sleepless nights. And here is Jesus in the midst of the storm, and it's perilous. These are experienced fishermen, some of them, and they believe, they genuinely believe, they're going to die. They say so. And Jesus sleeps. So the disciples went and they woke him saying, and then if you look at all three gospels, each of them has a different name. Master, master, Lord, teacher, save us. Because note that it says the disciples went and woke him, not Peter went over and and shook him. Jesus. Or John went over and called into his ear, Jesus. No, no, the disciples woke him. Altogether, they're yelling at him. They're trying to get his attention. They're trying to get him awake. They're in great danger. They believe that they're going to die. It's absolutely clear in the mind. And this must have been a really interesting progression of thought. Think about it. If it were you, you're out in the boat. It's starting to get a little dark. There's a storm that comes up over the hill. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. I I remember uh, being on a boat, the deck of a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and looking across to the western shore where the hills rise up about 2,000 feet. And I remember thinking it would be so easy, and it was so common during that time, for a storm to build up over the mountains and then sweep down over that lake. And that's exactly what happened. And as Jesus sleeps there, it must have been this progression of thought. They, when, when the wind started to blow and the clouds started to turn bad and, and maybe there was a little bit of rain, maybe they looked at Jesus with a little bit of amusement, right? Maybe they said, man, he's sleeping through this. He must really be beat. But as the storm gets worse and they're struggling to keep their boat intact, they must be getting a little bit curious. They must be wondering, how long? Any minute now, 
he's going to wake up. We need Jesus to wake up. And then it gets to the point where they're about to be swamped. And most of us, when we're afraid, we get mad, right? Fear generally comes with anger. There had to be that moment of aggravation where they're saying to themselves, is he still asleep? How can he still be asleep? And then finally comes the moment of panic. And I'm telling you, it was me. I love, love the Lord and everything, but if it was me, I'm in the front of the boat, and the boat's getting ready to go down, and he's the guy that can save it. I'm yelling to the guy in the back, kick him! Get him up! And, and look at what they say. They say, Master, Lord, Teacher, save us. We're going to drown. Don't you care? <laughs> It, it, it makes me think of, of, of how I would be if I found myself in this situation. Because fear is part of our human experience. There are circumstances in our life that cause us to become afraid. And, and we recognize in those moments a couple things. We recognize that we're fragile. We recognize that the world is broken and bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to all people. We also recognize that we're fragile, that we can be hurt. And we recognize that there are times when we have absolutely no power to change the circumstances of our life. And that's a scary feeling. I mentioned the fact that I travel with my daughter a lot. And uh, one of my roles as I travel is, you know, again, you're, you're looking at me, you already guessed this. I'm the security guy, right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a martial artist or anything like that, right? But I decided if I'm going to do security for my daughter, which is important because we were, you know, trust me, in a period of 14 months, we were on 250 flights together. We, we were traveling across across the country, sometimes across the world, and we'd show up downtown someplace at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and I knew that I was going to have to be prepared to be situationally aware and things like that. So I did what any good father would do. I did the Florida security uh, guard training. I, I, got, I got, did my D license certification, unarmed security. And then I did my uh, G license certification, which was armed security. Of course, I never actually carried uh, any kind of handgun or anything like that. But I wanted to know, I wanted to understand how to deal with situations that came up. And then I did the most courageous thing of all. I took the certification course to be able to use a baton, handcuffs, and pepper spray. None of which did I actually ever use or ever carry, but I went through the process because I wanted to, I, I knew that we would be in places where life would be dangerous. And that's the way it is. And I didn't want to be helpless. By the way, uh, I just want to say this for those of you who are wondering, that pepper spray, that stuff is for real. Um, I mean, the only way you can be certified to use it is you have to be sprayed. Now, this stuff that they use, well, I, I don't want to get lost in this story, but my point is we can do everything that we can think about 
to be prepared to deal with the difficulties of life, and then life happens. Choices are made, accidents, natural events, viruses, all sorts of evil intrudes upon our life, and we find ourselves hopelessly incapable of saving ourselves. And that's what the disciples were experiencing right now. So it says that he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. Quiet, be still. The wind died down, the storm subsided, and all was completely calm. Now, if you've ever been in a boat at sea, you know that the wind doesn't just instantly stop, and you know the waves don't automatically become still. So this is a pretty amazing experience. But here's the really unique thing about this passage. It says, he got up and he spoke to creation, and creation listened. He doesn't pray. He doesn't seek the assistance of God the Father. He speaks to creation, and creation obeys. Who can speak to creation except the Creator? Who can stand up and direct the wind and the waves? They'd seen him do miracles. They'd heard him teach. They knew that he came to fulfill the will of of God the Father, but this was something that they had never experienced before. And you're going to see how they react to it in a minute. So he says, quiet, be still, it dies down. And then he turns to the disciples and he says, where is your faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because we forget sometimes that there's nothing more powerful than our relationship with Jesus. I know it sounds churchy. I know it sounds Christian. I know it sounds maybe cliche, but But stick with me for a second here. Here's what Jesus is saying to them. Look, you know that I am here to do the Father's will. And you know that I am not subject to the simple circumstances and chances of life. You should trust me by now. So he challenges his disciples. And I get it. I feel for them because I would be scared. I would be scared. But he's saying, look, you should understand, you should know by now that I'm not just blundering my way through life. I am walking in the rhythm of the intentions of God. And you and I are not going to be overcome by just the circumstances of a storm. You should know that by now. You should trust me. This is an extraordinary moment. Look how the disciples respond. It says, in fear and amazement, and then one of the gospel writers says, terrified. They asked one another, who is this? What kind of man is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Who is this? Now, is this intriguing? They were scared of the storm, and now they're terrified. Of Jesus. Huh. Because for a moment, just a moment, when he stands and speaks to creation, 
they have a true sense of how beyond them Jesus is. They have a true sense of this thing that the Bible calls the weight of glory. They have a sense of how profoundly different he is than even what they had come to understand and believe. And it strikes them, it drives them to fear. They are overcome with awe. And so we find in this passage kind of a, a, a confugation, if you will, of multiple ways of understanding what the Bible teaches about fear. Fear always has an object and it always has a circumstance. We fear someone or something and we fear them under these circumstances. And the Bible says that fear is a good thing. There are things that you should fear and things that you shouldn't fear. And I'm here to tell you that fear is part of a healthy relationship with Jesus. It is part of the disciples' way. It is a Mandalorian moment. (laughs) This is the way. If you live in a world that is antagonistic to the values and the beliefs of God, and you hold to them, and you try to present them, even if you do it with loving and kind compassion, the world will reject you. It will challenge you. The way of discipleship is the way of risk. There is no way around that. And risk always includes some element of fear. But risk and fear in my life as someone who's trying to honor God always creates an opportunity for me to develop greater trust and develop greater love and affection. Though it's not always easy. A few years ago, I was in Africa. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have a picture here. Uh, that's me, the fat white boy in the middle. Um, <clears throat> you can easily pick me out. Now, if, if you look at the picture, uh, I, I got to ask you, do I look in kind of rough shape to you? Holy cow. That was the most miserable experience of my life. I know people come back from mission trips and they say, oh, this was the greatest thing. It changed my life. It's wonderful. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I got dehydrated. It was 120 degrees in the shade during during the the heat of the day. I got dehydrated. I got an infection. I had a reaction to larium, the malaria medicine, uh, that caused me to both have paranoia and hallucinations. It was horrible. And I never wanted to go because I don't like not being in control. Well, what I don't like is not believing that I'm in control, even though I'm not actually ever in control. But a disciple, a follower, has to be faithful. We serve where we can. And in the process of doing what is right, honoring God with our lives, we must face difficult situations. That trip changed my life, changed my perspective, changed my understanding, changed my awareness of God's blessing and what it means in the lives of people. It's so important to shaping my life as a person of faith, 
because I was willing to take a chance, to risk something, and it forced me to learn to trust. The Bible has a lot to say about faith and fear. What I want to say to you, just as your friend, is I know that there are a lot of things that are frightening in the world today. Draw near to God. Seek his comfort and support. And cling to his hope that no matter what the circumstances of your life are, he will be with you and he will be with you beyond even this life. That he is good in the brokenness and badness of the world. Wow. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for patiently enduring through the unkindness and the cruelty of people in this world that you care for us and that you comfort us and that you hold on to us as we pass through dark days and challenges and that you tell us that the worst of all things that can happen in this world is not significant in your life and in the life you give beyond this world and in relationship with you. Father, as we face the challenges, as we face fears in our lives, we pray that you will comfort, support us, protect us, lead us, hold on to us, and help us to learn to trust you more and love you better. In Jesus' name I pray.